I'm okay being a family man. I love being a family man. I love being a dad. I love being my wife's husband. And that's the brand. That is exactly the brand, right? Every one of us was a pirate, you know, living in the dumpster. These beautiful women pulled us out of the dumpster and dusted us off and made us good men. That's the brand. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. I'm going to tell you guys the truth. I jumped into the studio a few minutes early because I was so excited to talk to Steve Trevino. And I get into the studio thinking, look at me, I'll be waiting on him when I got there. You know what happened? He was already here. How are you, Steve? <laughs> I'm good, man. You know what? It's, it's funny that so many times I hear you're nothing like a comedian. And I go, I don't, I don't understand what that means or, or I'm in, I'm in a, I'm backstage in a theater show and, and the staff goes, you're so nice. And I think to myself, how must these other guys act that I'm considered? I mean, I, I, I mean, it's like, what are you doing backstage and how are you treating people that people think whatever I'm doing is because whatever I'm doing, I think is normal. Wow. Well, I, you know, I've worked with a lot of comedians. I've had people in studio. I've had, man, I've had, I can just give you, I've had Tracy Morgan. I've had uh, Bill Ingvall. I've had uh, Carlos Mencia. I've had, uh, don't, not to bring up a touchy subject there. Uh, I, I've had, uh, you know, uh, D.L. Hughley. I mean, everybody in studio. And, and the thing that I think about you is, Instead of a funny guy that everybody coddled to, you were that normal guy that just everybody enjoyed being around. And your dedication and hard work, you figured out how to make that a living. I Listen, we're going to get into it because I love Steve Trevino and Captain Evil. I love it. So we're, we're going to talk about that. But the beautiful thing about it is, is, and I know you'll get this. You're just so damn real. I don't mean authentic. I kind of hate that word, but you're real that I, I totally get that you get up in the day and go, all right, let me figure out what needs to be done today. Oh, dude. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I live a very normal life. I mean, yesterday I spent the day, you know, cleaning out the, the barn. We're having people over cleaning out the barn, um, cleaning up the yard, mowing the yard, weed eating. You know, and, and I have people that, that drive by my neighbor, they stop and they go, Steve, you know that you could pay somebody to do this stuff. And I'm like, well, I guess, or I could do it, you know, I, I, <laughs> but I've always taken a very blue collar approach to stand up. I mean, I always, I always told myself that I would, I would outwork everybody. And that's just the attitude that I have about life in general. You know, when, when you look, when you look at my yard or you look at my home, you look at anything I do, you know, my dad used to call it pride, right? Yeah. My dad would always say, have pride. You need to have pride. And, and I've just taken that to stand up. You know, cause, cause here, I, I love your backstory. And one of the things, one of the jobs you're right, if, if your Wikipedia page is true, is that you used to haul around the comedians to do the radio press interviews, right? 
Oh, oh. Yeah, you know, I was the door guy at the Addison Improv, and I thought to myself, how do I get to know these guys? How do I pick their brain? How do I get close to them? And the manager every morning, or I'm sorry, every Thursday, Friday morning would take them to radio, and I and he hated it. And he's like, oh, God, I got you. Know, I got to wake up, take these comics to radio. I go, I'll do it. I want to do it. You know, uh, who picks them up at the airport? I'll pick them up at the airport. So my whole goal was, how can I be around comedians? And it's so funny you bring it up, Gary, because we were just talking about the fact that, man, these comedians nowadays, these opening acts, I am yet to find one that gets it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is they, they all think, you know, well, what room? Well, I, I thought I was going to have to share a room with your road manager. I Like, you know, they have this attitude of like, and man, they used to call me when I was on the road, the road manager would call me the road manager for the road manager because I was down. I knew what needed to be done. I was already setting up the merch table. I was already getting things in order. I was already getting the, the line organized for the headliner. I was, I mean, I did everything I could to be the best worker I could be so I could be irreplaceable. And these young guys, it, it, it's just attitudes. And, and, and this, this feeling of, of entitlement that is just, it blows my mind. Where do you, where do you think, cause I mean, what was your experience with the comedians when you were, when you were the young guy and you were hauling them around? Cause you, you asked, you posed the question when we started this, where you said, you know, what are these guys treating you guys backstage like? How did they treat you? Because the truth of it is you get to a certain level and you expect flunkies, right? So you expect people to kowtow to you and do whatever. How how did they treat you? Did, did it make any kind of impact? Did anybody stand out, good or bad? Well, there was a lot of bad. There was there was more bad than I would like to admit, and it, and it made me sad um, because you know how they always say, "Don't meet your heroes," mm-hmm. right? All these guys were my heroes, man. I mean, I'm watching them on TV. I love stand up comedy. I can't, you know, I would look at the calendar and go, "Oh my gosh." You know, so-and-so's coming. I can't wait. I'm going to pick them up at the airport, and it's going to be awesome. And it, and it wasn't. And, and they were um, not so much rude, but they wouldn't even acknowledge the fact that I was in the car. You know, not even a hello, a thank you, a hey, nice to meet you. But then there was other guys that were unbelievably friendly. It was never in the middle. Wow. It was never just okay. It was either terrible experience are amazing experience, you know. I mean, Wayne Brady was my first week working the door, and Wayne, I pick up Wayne at the airport. He goes, take me to Target. I got to get some things. We hung out at Target. He's like, let's go to lunch. Now I'm having lunch with Wayne Brady, you know. And, and I'm, not, I'm a 19-year-old kid, you know. And he's like, oh, well, um, later tonight, find me a karaoke spot. Let's all go karaoke tonight. So I'm like, you got And I'm thinking to myself, Oh my God, I'm hanging out with Wayne Brady. Now we're singing karaoke, having drinks together. I go, I go, it's going to be awesome. And then the next week was somebody terrible. And I'm like, well, so much for that. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I always looked at it as I, there's two kinds of comedians, Gary. There's the ones that feel lucky to be on stage. And that's me. Yeah. And then there's the one, the, then there's the other ones that think the audience is the lucky one. 
You know, that's what I break. I break singers down because, you know, I do music, right? I, I break. There's two kinds of singers. There's there's entertainers and they're performers. An entertainer is all about your experience. The entertainers is focused on your experience. A performer is you get to be a part of his or her experience. Right. So, so it's, you know, like, like, uh, like the, the Grateful Dead or, or Fish or a jam band or, you know, in country music, Chris Stapleton, uh, Zach Brown, those are performers that you get to be a part of their, if they want to do an 18 minute drum solo, then they're going to do an 18 minute drum solo because it's all about their experience. And it can be absolutely wonderful. The entertainer is all about, Hey man, we're going to make this awesome. I think Garth Brooks in the, in the, in, in you know, the world of music, it's all about your experience and it seems it seems that would translate into the world of comedy too and i never thought about it you know it's funny you say that because i i recently switched agencies and i'm sitting in this big agency meeting where they're all pitching me what they're going to do for me and i stop them and i go listen guys we need to be asking ourselves what are we going to do for the fan i know that's the question in this room i go the question is not what you're going to do for me, it's what can we do for the fan, right? And it blew their mind, and they literally brought up Garth Brooks, and they go, oh, so more like Garth Brooks. And I go, yes. What, you know, this is their date night. It's a it's a $30, $40 ticket. That's $80 already. It's a babysitter for 80 Now we're at 160 Then it's a $100 beer and, and food tab. Now we're at two. I mean, these people chose to have their date night with me and spend almost $300 after the Uber, after the drinks, after the tickets. What can I do for them? How can I make their experience uh, feel worth it? You know, I mean, I, I ended up with the flu Saturday and I had two shows to do. And I got off stage and my manager goes, you would have never known. The, your, your fans have no idea you have the flu. Yeah, And I go, because I'm not going to let them know. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to perform my ass off for them because it's not their fault. I got sick. Yeah. And then I would go and then I, I go, look, I need to turn off the lights. I need to rest. I mean, I had the shakes. I had 102 fever. I mean, I was sick, Ugh. you know, and, but I'm not going to not perform. I, you know, and, and I talked to, I talked to a comedian, the same thing. I, I, I asked him a flippant station, a question about what's it like to bomb. And he, he kind of got emotional. He goes, it breaks my heart. He goes, because the exact same thing that you just said, these people went through so much to get there. And if I did not perform up to what I thought I should do, it just breaks my heart. And I'm like, I had never thought of it that way. You know, I was just being, hey, it wasn't like to tell a joke and have nobody laugh. And it really made me look at the other side of it. I mean, you know, and, and whoever you were talking to obviously cares, you know. Killer bees. I don't know if you know killer bees. Killer bees. Oh, yeah. The killer bees are amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, but but that attitude is the right attitude. Right. And and it, it saddens me. Well, because I do. I think most comedians were not cool in high school. I think most comedians were had a little group of five or six guys and they made fun of everybody in the school, but not to their face. And then they became comedians and they said, I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to show everybody. And when I'm powerful, I'm going to be powerful. And I can't wait to be in charge. And I can't wait to, you know, and I, I never, 
I never had that feeling of not feeling cool or, you know, I, I played football, had tons of friends. Um, God, you just you nailed know. it. Do you realize you just nailed it? That's what I was trying to say. Garth Brooks, same thing, played football, right? I mean, he was a popular guy. He was a homecoming king. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's what I meant. That's what I was trying to come up with. You seem like a guy who did not have that weird place in social structure yeah the miserable weird place and 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 you're right you can think of some of the people and we've had people in studio the same thing where you're just like man this is this feels weird and you could feel like it was beneath them but then the guys like you who just are like no this is the way i interacted and and again you weren't doing the the cruel humor, if you ask, you know, you were making your buddies on the football team. You were, you were, you were making people right. laugh in the, in the class, you know, being the typical class clown in the class clown. Here's the thing. They were usually one of the most popular people in school because they did have that. And those other guys were the guys writing the little notes in the back of the, of the thing and, and, and just being in that very secluded headspace. Yeah, I remember guys like that, you know, when when somebody would walk in the room, you'd they'd be in the corner, you know, and then when you confronted them and said, well, what's so funny? What are, what are you talking about? Uh, 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 nothing. And then you walk off, you know, and they they snicker again. And it, and for me, you know, I never felt like the outcast. I never felt like, ooh, I can't wait to get all of you back. You know, I, I just I, I love being funny. I love entertaining. I love being a comedian. I'm a giver by nature. I'm a, I'm a teacher by nature and I love being on stage and I love, I love helping other people. And, and through comedy, if I can do that, it's what I do. And it, the artist world is so weird, man. Cause when I went to the comedy store, it blew my mind. How many of these guys would go, Oh, these are my best friends. And they're all in my wedding. I'm like, y'all met six years ago. <laughs> The people in my wedding are people that I grew up with, you know, people yeah. that I've been friends with for years and years and years. I don't consider any of you guys my best friend. We just met at the comedy store. So it makes you it makes you realize and understand, oh, they had no friends. Their life literally began when they became a comedian. Wow. And, and my life, my life began way before I was always a comedian. I was always me. I was always who I was going to be. So, you know, and, and then, and then there's these guys, you know, I'm 42 right now. There's, I remember being in my, my early thirties at the comedy store going, don't you have a wife and kid? Why are you at the end? By the way, you have a wife and kid. You're hugely successful as a comedian, hugely. Yet you're still at the comedy store till three o'clock in the morning every night that's weird to me. Well, and, and that kind of explains, I mean, I've, uh, we, we've talked about, uh, it's been, it's been talked about before you and I about depression going through that, that that's a constant enemy of comedians. And, and I do think it probably starts getting in part of the lifestyle. Like you were saying that when all, when you're traveling so much and all, and you start, and you start thinking the people who are, you're doing drinks with at 2am on a, on a Thursday, are your lifelong friends and they're not those people that you actually have a shared experience and you know you're you're having you're having an early lunch on a Wednesday with well deeper than that deeper than that for me for example 
Man, the road is hard, right? And and being on the road is very difficult. And and Friday night, I will have drinks because I'm missing home. I don't have anything to do on Saturday. I'll sleep in a little. I'll have drinks on Friday. But but Saturday night, I don't have drinks because I want to be on the first flight out to go home and be dad and husband. Now, when you think about these comedians that don't have anything at home at all, then the drinking starts and the depression starts and the, well, I have all of these people around me who love me right now and want to hang out with me and I'm the coolest guy in the room. What am I going to go home to? My, my, my one bedroom apartment on Sunset and Gower in LA? Or am I going to drink again? You know, so I, I, I'm lucky that, that, you know, my wife and my kids are more important than anything in the world. And that's including my career. So I, I want to get home. We're we're going to talk about Captain Evil here in just a second. But <laughs> I do want to drill down on a little bit of what we were talking about of the of the a lot of the comedians today. Do you think do you think it's the nature of the social media? Because that's where a lot of them get their stuff. They do 10, 15, 20 second things. It's all about the reels, right? You and I do social media. We understand all about the reels. Uh, do you think that has an effect of of not truly creating it in front of an audience and and having the sets not go as well. I tell young singers all the time, you don't learn anything standing in front of 22,000 people who are screaming your name. What you right. learn is in front of three people at a bar who have no idea and have no interest in what you're doing or singing, right. and you win them over. That's when you learn. That's the biggest, I mean, that's the biggest problem with social media is the fact that that everybody's concern is how can how do I go viral? If I go viral, then I can sell tickets, then I'll have a career. My concern was never to go viral. My concern was how can I become the best comedian that I can become? I'm not saying the best comedian in the world. I'm not saying the best the best comedian that I can become. I don't care about social media. I care about my craft and what I'm doing. And nowadays it's the opposite. They're not focused on the craft. They're focused on the the web game and the viral game and how can I go viral and how can I make this video? And it's like, dude, you have 10 minutes of material and it's okay. And then you put it online and you sit there and you go, well, Steve Trevino puts a bit online and he goes viral. Why not me? Well, maybe I'm good. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you're not good. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you've had the time and the experience to know what works. I, I would be willing to bet when you're working on a bit, you can almost feel an audience reaction at this stage of your career. It's so funny you say that. And I appreciate you saying that because I don't think anybody's ever, ever understood that. Man, I say funny things every single day. Mm -hmm. I say funny things all the time. I come up with funny things in my head all the time. But I am now, I know my brand and I know what my audience wants and I know what I want to project on stage. So the million funny things I say a day, 99.9% .9 of those just go, hey, that was funny and it was great, but it has to go. And then it's that 1% that I go, ah, oh, okay, this is something that I want to talk about. You know, case in point, you're going to love this. Okay. I wrote, I wrote the, in my opinion, one of the funniest COVID jokes. And it was so funny, but it wasn't real to me. So I don't do it anymore. But the joke was, COVID is low risk for children. We all know that. And my kid is only four years old. So I take him to Walmart and I let him lick all the shopping carts. That way, when my mother-in-law comes over, I could say, hey, go hug grandma. 
right? It's one of the funniest jokes that I have written, but it, but I don't do it on stage because I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't. It, it doesn't. It's just mean. And I love my mother-in-law and I care for my mother-in-law, which I have no problem poking fun at my mother-in-law if it's in the realm of, of reality. Me wanting her dead is not in the realm of reality. And, and it's just me. So for me, I didn't do, I did it a few times on stage as I was coming out of COVID. And, and of course, like you, it would kill. I mean, people would, oh my God, that's so funny. But it wasn't real to me. So I don't, I can't deliver something on stage that's not real. See, I love the fact that, and when you, when you say, I know my brand and, and, and again, if you're in the entertainment industry, you know, you and I both are in there having to know who you are. And when it comes to like, I, I love your humor because I love, I love how you can have fun at your wife and you can give her hell, but at no point do I ever don't think you don't like her. And that's the same thing with me when I'm on the air and talk about my my wife. If I'm going to give anybody hell, it's me because you know, the truth of it is she doesn't have a microphone to, to, to battle back. And, <laughs> and, 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 and plus I would, I would like to see her naked once again. You know, so there's there's <laughs> there's that demarcation line where I'll give her some grief. But usually everybody can understand I love the woman and would not want to be anywhere else in this entire world. And I get that. That's why I've always loved your humor. And that's why I love the fact that you can call her Captain Evil is the name of the podcast, Steve Trevino and Captain Evil. And it is the two of you so like each other. I, I love, you know what? I, let me, let me get all misty on you. I love how she looks at you when you're talking. Yes, exactly. Thousand percent. We're, we're, we're both madly in love with each other. Um, and, and gosh, do we drive each other crazy, right? I, I wear her out and she wears me out, but there is one thing that we both know is that we love each other madly and that we would never, uh, we would never risk our relationship, um, in any way. And, and that no matter how much we disagree, we're going to work it out. Right. So the, the, there is that, but you know, to go back, Gary, to finding who I am Yeah, here, I am. I got on the road at, at by the time I, I remember I turned 21 on the road. So I had already been on the road full time before 21. I meet her at 26. Well, I fall in love with her and I truly end up, I hate her for it. I really, really hate her. I, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. I hated her for making me fall in love with her because, dude, I was a pirate. I was in a different city every single week, chasing women, doing whatever I wanted to do. This woman walks in my life and and literally stops all of the, the you know. She starts going, "You need to call me, and you need to hold yourself accountable." And you know, are we going to be together or not? No more other girl, you know. And I started walking on stage very angry and very upset with her. And although it was funny, people didn't like it, mm -hmm. right? People would be like, God, what's this guy's problem? It wasn't until I became comfortable being in love with her that things really resonate where people go, oh, this guy does love her. He's just frustrated with it, right? So that's when things change. But 
the 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 path to get into where we are today came from my hate for her. You know, and I walked on stage and I go, why do I have to do this now? And why do I have to do this now? And why do women have a double standard and F her and you know, and it came off rough. Yeah. And you know, now that now that man, I'm I'm okay being a family man. I love being a family man. I love being a dad. I love being my wife's husband. And that's the brand. That is exactly the brand, right? Every one of us was a pirate, you know, living in the dumpster. These beautiful women pulled us out of the dumpster and dusted us off and made us good men. That's the brand. Amen. I mean, I'm right there with you. And and to, and to really honestly look at yourself and go, wow, I did a lot. And, and you know what? Here's because I'm older than you. At some point when you when you think because I live the pirate lifestyle also, and then you start, you will regret this. You'll regret because you realized you realize the amount of women that you were the villain in their story. You really were. Right. And, 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 because as I've gotten older, I sit back and that's where my regret is, is that I'm so thrilled and happy I found my wife and, and I, I strive to be the best husband I, I can be every day. But there's the regret that I have that I'm like, oh man, I am so, I wish I could go up to some of these women and go, I am so sorry you met me at that horrible time in my life where, where I, I didn't view you as, I didn't view you as an equal. I didn't view you as worthwhile. And, and, you know, people are going to say, well, they were growing up. They, they made their own decision. Yeah. But I'm talking about my part in it. I regret my part in putting you in that situation and having us both be kind of horrible people. But I know what my intentions were. I don't know what yours were. And I regret my intentions. Oh, a thousand percent. You know, I, I always tell people, I am uncancelable because, you know, my wife knows everything about me, you know, and, and, and my wife knows my past and knows the mistakes I made. And, and I wasn't always, th- th- again, when I meet these couples, much like, much like my, my, my in-laws who were together from 16 and made it, I'm like, I don't know how you guys made it. I had a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. And, I, and I was really crummy to a lot of girlfriends. And and I I don't think my wife today would be with me if I met her at nineteen, much less sixteen. There's no way the growth curve that I've had, she would not have been in it. She would have bailed a long time, you know. So yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm with you, man. Where you go, wow, you know I was a I was a mess, you know I was a disaster, and I was out there, you know again like you said, not doing anything illegal, just being a crummy dude. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I I couldn't come up. I can't come up with a better word, right? Crummy. I was crummy. You were crummy, dude, and I like the, I like the way that the pirates, you know, because we because we say pirates, but and, and they sound fun because of Johnny Depp. But the truth of it is, pirates were horrible people. You wouldn't want to met one. Horrible. Yeah, you you would. Well, not- I'd come into town and think to myself, you know, can I get laid, and how drunk can I get? That was my that was my whole goal. You know, from from the age of twenty one. So 26, and then this beautiful, classy, smart woman came in my life. And and like I say on stage, I go, I never thought that that girl would be with me because every girl I dated before her had glitter on their tits. You know, I I love it because I, the I Speak Wife uh, 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 special is so hilarious, you know, because you talk about she didn't leave. 
All the other girls had left, and she didn't leave. <laughs> I fell in love with her again. Yes. I I just, I, I have to ask you, because first of all, how's the house selling go? Did you sell the house? Did you buy your dream house? What happened? We are, we are now living in our dream house, man. This house is uh, absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, I get emotional sometimes still. Um, because I, I grew up from, I grew up very humble beginnings, you know, um, my parents are very hardworking people who were, I would consider them lower middle class. We never went without, I would not say that we were poor, but we didn't have a lot, you know, we weren't the family with the extra lake house or the, or the toys, you know, we didn't have the boats and the jet skis and, you know, we were, we were living a good life. Um, but now, man, I, I, number one, I never got in this business for money. I got in this business because I love it. Um, but I, I, I walk away from a weekend and they write these checks to me. And I'm not kidding you. Literally, I don't know, two weeks ago, I showed my wife uh, one of the check that I brought home and, and we and I go, right? And she just goes, wow. You know, because, man, I mean, her and I together did this. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a big deal when I was 26 years old. I was an opening act. I didn't even have a checking account when I met my wife and was together. And, you know, recently we set up our, our, our trust and, you know, all that stuff. And, and the, my CPA pulled me aside and he goes, Hey man, are you sure you want to go 50, 50 with your wife? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, I mean, you're the comedian. And I go, no, 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 no. I go, we did this together. I go, yes, we are 50-50, period, end of story. You know, we share everything, every dollar, everything, because we did it together, and I would not have done it without her. There's no way. See, I was, that was one of the things I, was, I, I wanted to talk to you about, about the road to here. You know, because you do, you talk about it on your podcast, which is brilliant, by the way. Uh, and, and you talk about how you guys did this together, how she handles so many things that's part of your career. And I, I feel the same way. I mean, everything I do, my wife is such a part of, of helping me do everything. And on those days where you have the doubt, having the first person to come up to you and go, you know, you know how to do this, right? And sometimes that's all you need is just somebody who truly knows you, you know? Well, and and her, and her moral compass is, is, is even better than mine. You know, I I have a moral compass and, and I'm always thinking about the, the, what, you know, is this, you know, is this joke going to hurt somebody? Is this, you know, Renee is so good at, Hey, that joke seems really misogynistic. That joke really feels like you're not giving me any credit. So then I, re- I rewrite it, I rework it, and then if it doesn't work, I completely get rid of it because I value my wife's opinion so much, and I know that she is the female voice in my stand-up comedy. I, I have to listen to what she says because, I mean, there was there was this one joke where she goes, you basically say that you want oral sex because you pay the bills. She's like, that's not okay. And I was like, you're right, boom, joke's gone. Right. So it, her moral compass and her ability to come in and go, hey, don't do that. Or that's gross or that doesn't look good. So together we know the brand and together we've been able to build this this monstrosity that that literally blows my mind, Gary. When 
when I walk on stage and people clap for the first two minutes and cheer and I go, guys, I haven't said a joke. Like, this is, this is overwhelming and, and the attention, believe it or not, for me is uncomfortable. Well, I can imagine because you go from, I mean, that's a, that's a long way from going up at 1130 on a Friday night at the Chuckle Hut somewhere in Kansas, you know, and, and not having anybody to, to that, to that adoration. It is something that would have to, it is, it is a journey you have to get there. And also having someone like Renee, that's his wife, Captain Evil, uh, having someone like Renee, know you and that's what i was saying a while ago when when i said having somebody go you know how to do this and you're worthy of it that right. th- that this isn't something that has not been earned it's not it was not just bestowed on you as a royal title you've she um, this yeah gary you're nailing it today man <laughs> you know li- literally this week my wife goes do you know what your biggest problem is and i go what is that she goes, you don't know your value. Mm-hmm. And I go, I go, no, I, I know my, she goes, no, 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 no. She goes, you really don't know your value. She goes, and you really, she goes, we really need to get to the point where you have to say no. You have to start saying no to things because, I mean, we're getting hit up left and right for be a part of this tequila company with us and be a part of this, be a part. And I'm over there going, yeah, yeah, Sure. Oh, Steve, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. Do you want to do it? Yeah, I don't care. You know, and Renee's like, hey, you got to know your worth and and we can't be giving your brand away for free. And I'm like, I- I'm just happy to be here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but again, having that wife to go, hey, you need to know your worth. You need to know what's, you know, the the important things. And And, and you know, she's also the one that says, look, time to say no to gigs. Stay home. It's not worth it. You know, Steve, you got a pile of money in the bank account. Stay home. Amen. That's you know, what you work for. That's what you were always hoping to get to, you know? That's what you work for. But I also feel bad, and I don't want to say no to this guy. Or, you know, somebody says, hey, man, you know, it's my wife's 50th anniversary. You're her favorite comedian. This is our budget, and it's still a good budget. Yeah. And my wife's like, yeah, but is it good enough for you to leave the weekend? And I'm like, See, that's that's the hard part. And again, establishing your worth because, you know, we all go through that, especially in the entertainment industry. You know, if you're an athlete, you get it. If you make it to the pro level, then, you know, they they have they have minimum rookie contracts. Right. So, you know, you're going to at least make this. But when you're in the entertainment industry, like setting up this podcast. So, you know, this is my main source of income now. This is what I do. And when you're trying to figure out what to charge, I remember the first time I was, I, cause you have to put a team together. You know that as well as I do. You can't do all this crap by yourself. So you have to have a team together. And when we're putting together the media kit, you know, I, we just, I threw out some numbers and I remember I showed it to a business person that I really trusted. And he goes, you're short, like two zeros. You're short on two zeros on every of your price things. And I'm like, really? Somebody would pay that. <laughs> right. and, and, and you're like going, it's the same thing. It's like having to having to, to put a value. It's like I just sit and talk and tell jokes, right? It's all I do. And 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 having somebody go, no, you're worth more than that. It's it's hard to wrap your arms and head around that, huh? 
A thousand percent. I mean, that's what we're going through right now. You know, we're doing these huge theaters and they want me to do um, these meet and greet VIP things. And I go, gosh, but that's not fair for the guy in the back. You know, I don't want to charge, you know, a hundred dollars for a VIP experience because now I feel bad for the guy in the back and who the hell wants to pay a hundred dollars to meet me and, and get all, you know, so those are the conversations that we're having nowadays with my team going, guys, if we're going to do VIP, then we, we got to make sure that there's a value there, a real value. And we also have to do a lottery to give anybody that bought a ticket a chance to win backstage. So, you know, it, it, it becomes very challenging and complicated and scary because I never wanted to be the backdoor guy. I didn't want to have to walk in the back door and, and the you know park in the back, man. I I'd go to the comedy club. I'd walk in the front. I'd say hi to the staff. I'd I'd high five the bartender. I'd, I'd shake a couple hands. And I'd go to my green room. Now, if if I go through the front, I'm not going to make it to my green room. Yeah. Well, I'm you telling know, you, the it, VIP experience should include karaoke, just like Wayne Brady. Oh my gosh! I'm telling you, and, and I haven't seen Wayne Brady since. But that was my first week working in a comedy club. And he just made it special. So he'll always be special to me, Wayne Brady. Okay, well, I'm going to take a quick break. Coming right back, because we have to pay for this. Coming right back. One, here's what we know with Steve Trevino. It's time to think differently when it comes to your parties, meetings, and groups. The catering from Havana Cuba Restaurant in downtown San Jose. Instead of the same old, same old, how about the most delicious Cuban sandwich you've ever had? You're tired of fries? Plantains, my friends, they'll change your world. And here's something you didn't know. Havana Cuba was voted one of the top 10 tamales in the entire South Bay. They have vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options, and their website is 998cuba.com. They're located at 387 South 1st Street in downtown San Jose. It's Habana, Cuba. So, okay, so I have to ask, what did you do with the dream house and the eight acres? Okay, yeah, let me explain this, because if you guys don't understand about Captain Evil and, uh, and, and Steve Trevino at the podcast, I was fascinated by the fact that you have this dichotomy of the front yard is governed by the HOA in the neighborhood, but the backyard is not. Yes, the back eight acres, we're 12 acres total, the back eight acres is unrestricted. I do what I want. We have built a fire pit out there and a beautiful brick patio. We built a chicken coop uh, with chickens. We have a 3,000 square foot barn that's going to be my my backyard comedy club and guest houses. Um, we, we are loving it, but we have we definitely have some of these uh, old time HOA guys like you know poking in the back and and asking me, well. What's going on back there? I'm like, guess what? It is none of your business. None of it is your business. I do what I want back there. It is unrestricted. Oh, well, you have chickens? Yes, I do. And you can't do anything about it. <laughs> well, get away from it. Put One guy thought we doodle do. We have so many parties. One guy thought that we had a church back there. What? <laughs> what are they? Because. We do our our Easter party was so big we had to make we had to get event signs that said event parking right so we put all of them on the streets you know as people came in and and some guy was like what do you mean an event do you guys have a church back there and I'm like no it's just a party dude but by the way if I had a church I could so that's all. <laughs> 
I can only imagine how much Crown Royal is going to be in that barn. Oh, my gosh. Already tonight. Tonight, the wife, Captain Evil herself, is doing uh, the neighborhood does a witch's ride. So all the women in the neighborhood dress like witches. They get in the uh, the UTVs, the golf carts, and they do a parade. So all the dudes are coming to my house to watch the Astros game in the barn and drink Crown Royal. And then the girls are going to go do their witch thing. So it's perfect. Let's let's explain this. We take this. It's Halloween weekend. It's not just, it's not Captain Evil just does a witch night for the hell of it. Yeah, it's not on Friday nights. They just dress like witches and, and cruise around. But yes, it is Halloween weekend while we talk. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. And you know what? When I was, when I, I, the fact that, the fact that you have a wife that would let you have a cigar humidor and a cigar room, are you able to smoke cigars in, in your studio? I'm not allowed to smoke them in the studio, but I can do it in the back patio with, we have these huge sliding doors where I open to watch the game. So let me do it back there. But she brings out this fan and then the fan sits in front of me and blows my smoke to the back. So, you know, like the, at the casinos, right, when the dealers have the little fan, my, yeah, my wife has her own little fan to blow my smoke. What, is there any way that you can move the studios into the performance barn? Is that the plan? Because then you can go like all Joe Rogan and, and have well, cigars as you record your podcast. I'm glad you said that because we are behind the barn. We're going to build it. We're going to build a, a, I want to do an old fashioned man's study. I want it to look like Madman, old school humidor, smoke cigars. I'm going to put in the vent, you know, the whole thing. And then next to that is my, um, work will be my workout studio. And then we'll put the podcast studio on the other side. And that'll be kind of our, where we go to work, if you will. So, um, but in the eight acres, we can do what we want. I don't want to hear the HOA. What the hell do I have to do to get on your podcast? I just want to go over the cigars and, and I don't think town Royal, but I'll bring my own booze. I'll bring my own yeah, booze. We need to do our own podcast without the ladies. <laughs> man, I would love to have you and your wife on our podcast, man. I, you know, our podcast is so focused around what it's like to be married these days in a, in a busy relationship. Right. Yeah. And like yourself, you're perfect because we also want to relate to um, the, our industry. So, you know, so we had Jose Trevino of the New York Yankees on here with his wife, uh -huh. you know, talking about what it's like to be a major league baseball player. We've had Randy Rogers and his wife on Randy Rogers band. Um, yeah. You know, we had Randy and his wife on, but because you know, we'd love to have you guys to talk life What's it like to be, you know, in the world that you guys are living in and to, and to put it out there to people and go, look, there is no good life. There's no bad life. There's just life. And it is what you make of it. Yeah. You well, know? sign me up because we have that strange dichotomy. My wife works in the uh, high tech industry, right? Because I live in Silicon Valley. When you hear Silicon Valley, that is San Jose. San Jose is so, right. so, so I am right here in the midst. I mean, I have, I have friends at work. Cupertino. Cupertino. I have friends who work at Apple. I have friends who work at Google. I have, you can't name a tech company that my friends don't, I, that I don't have friends who work there. Um, and, and so it's that strange thing because I've been here. I, I did the morning show at KRTY. I still do it. We're at KRTY.com, but I started in 1991. Wow. Wrap your head around that. 
And Dude, I hope you bought. A, I hope you bought a house in 1991 in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough, but I did buy a house in 2001. Oh, so you did okay. Yeah. I've done okay. Well, I've, do what everybody else is doing. They're all moving in my neighborhood. They're selling their houses in Silicon Valley. They're moving to my neighborhood. My neighbor right here, California, Silicon Valley, um, came out here and bought land and a house cash with what he made off his house. Well, and that's the, that's the thing because when you are ready, cause you know, we, we have this discussion all the time, especially when COVID hit. Uh, when you have the discussion all the time, how much can we afford to live here? Because when, when the station went away, you know, because we got sold, it was a whole big thing. But then we went and started streaming, and now I'm a part owner of that. And I own this, but you know, the W two has left. There, there's no more wage slave here. You know, so now you're as you know, you're hustling. You're you're trying to create. Uh, but, but isn't there something, Gary? Isn't there something beautiful about that though? That it, it is on you. Mm-hmm. You don't wake up and work. That's on you. Mm-hmm. You don't do your podcast. That's on you, right? And, and that's what I tell young people in our business. I go, look, stop with the day job. That's your safety net. Mm-hmm. The, hours that, the hours that you're spending at that day job could be spent at this. And Figure it out. And it's a lot of work. So don't think that it's not a lot of work. And by the way, it's, it's exciting and scary as hell. You know, because, yep. because, you know, the same thing when you, when you're, when you're relying on your talent, you know, and it, with, that's why I, I, my wife and I would love, I, I, I think my wife, here's my, you know, how you said when I love in your comedy special, uh, you know, I, what I love most about her was her ass, right? That was, that was what I love <laughs> most about her. No guy ever sits back and goes, I could really build a 401k with you. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't wait to have a mortgage with this person. Yeah. And, and my thing was, is first of all, she was hot. I ain't going to lie. My wife's hot, but the one thing I cannot resist and you look at the track record, and I'm not saying this to make myself sound good. I cannot resist intelligence. I sometimes think my life would have been a little easier if I could have done dumb. But every woman I've been with has been brilliant. And my wife is yeah. right there in that thing. And so her to have her perspective and, as you say, have that trust, because I love what you were talking about when Renee says about a joke. The good thing about her helping you with a joke or something is that she realizes what you're trying to do. You're not just trying to be mean for mean's sake, right? You're, you, right. you're trying to create a, something that you can present. And so she comes in it with that same thing. Well, my wife, where she'll go, I know what you're trying to do, and here's where I think your blind spot is. Well, and, and not only that, personality-wise, my wife, not only is she intelligent, she's even keeled. My wife is never too high, never too low, right? Mm-hmm. I'm all over the place. I'm passionate. I get loud. I get aggressive. I get really sad. I get really emotional. I get, I get very passionate. And she's like this. Yeah. She's just even keeled, not too emotional, not too, she doesn't go crazy, doesn't get too sad, doesn't get too angry. She's, and I need that, you know, that, that for me, that, that consistent balance of, of her intelligence and her ability to not, you know, I mean, I'm losing it. Right. I'm so mad. And I'm like, I need to talk to you. And I can't believe you did this. And she's just sitting there like, do you want to yell or do you want to talk? And I'm like, well, I would like to talk. She's like, well, then sit down and let's talk. And it's like, 
you know, no, yell at me. Let's go. You know, so, but, but it, it is that, that's why I think, you know, having you and your wife on the podcast is so beautiful because, you know, this bit I'm doing right now about, you know, how me and her are different people, you know, and, and it's such a good bit right now. And, and while I'm doing the bit, I go, that's why we make a good team. She is not impulsive. I'm impulsive. I encourage her to pull the trigger. She needs that encouragement. I need to be pulled back. She's pulling me back. And we find ourselves in this perfect negotiation, right? That's yeah, that, that, yeah, because with that, that works. I totally get what you're saying on that. Cause like my wife, my wife is happy flower sunshine. My wife will find the good in anything, anything where I am the first to go, well, this is not going to work. And here's why. Right. I, I'm going to find the worst possible outcome from the get go. And it's funny because our right. kids, we have two kids. I, my youngest son, it will do the same damn thing. If you sit back and go, Hey, why don't we go to the beach today? Well, it'll probably rain and then there's going to be traffic and the food will probably not be good. Well, you know, you can just see it. And I'm like, and I sometimes have to grab him and go, don't be me. Don't be me. Yeah. No, it's, that's what's trippy about having kids, right? They're, they are pre-wired, man, and your DNA is in them, you know? And, and I see my son lose his temper, and I see my son get angry and passionate, and I'm like, oh, God, that's me, right? Dude, you got to chill out. You know, you, your, your hot head is not going to freaking get you anywhere. It's just going to get you in a lot of fights, because I know, right? But, but, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful balance. You know, I'm the dreamer. I'm the... We can do anything. Let's do it. Why not? And she's the hang on. I'll follow you, but let's do a little bit of research. So it, it, it's that perfect balance, man. That, that just really, really for us. Work. And by the way, it keeps things interesting. My wife doesn't uh, hardly ever agree with me. You know, we're always having real discussions, and she she stands her ground with her opinions and how she feels, and and I stand. You know, I'm middle right. She's middle left, you know, and we, we sit there and, and we have these conversations and they're great conversations for both of us because I, I, I respect her intelligence and she goes, what about this? Hold on. And I go, oh man, I didn't think of that. And we have real discussions and I don't know about you, Gary, but gosh, man, we meet couples and they're exactly the same and they're boring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and they end up and they end up, especially if they don't have those discussions, those discussions are going on in their head. And, and right. For anyone. Yeah. For anyone. And, and if you don't get them out and actually find the common ground, that's where I think big cracks happen where you can't fix them because the discussion that you should have had doesn't come out and it's it, it because we're all afraid nobody wants to even you nobody wants to piss anybody off nobody does especially somebody you love and at some point it's really hard to go i need to say this and i need i need you to hear it that's a when it comes to when it comes to fighting we we have this thing and we started this a long time ago i i, I when we first got married i said here's the deal i believe you have the right to get mad at me for whatever you're mad for whatever reason you're mad at so if you're angry at me, here's what I'm going to try not to do. I'm not going to try to go, what about, yeah, but, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to you. And even if I disagree with you, I'm going to listen to you. And then tomorrow, I'm going to come up and go, here's what I was thinking. 
because that right. being said, I, I, the whole, I don't, don't go to bed angry. I don't know. I don't know if I ever believed that because you can try to patch things up and go, yeah, but I don't know if that really works all the time. There's sometimes that you just need to have somebody feel heard. And if you try to come back, they don't feel heard. So I'm like, my dad, has, my, one of my dad's favorite things is, and my dad has a bunch of dadisms that I'm now stealing. Right. <laughs> um, and one of those, my dad would go, what do you think Jesus thought was more important? Talking or listening? And I would go, well, I don't know, dad. And he goes, well, he gave you two ears and one mouth. There you go. He goes, so, li- she goes, so listening is more important than talking. You know, and it's one of those things I'd be like, yeah, yeah, dad, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now that I'm older, I use it all the time, right? And I'm like, hey, how about, how about, how about you have two years and one mouth? Why don't you do some more listening and less talking, right? <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's definitely like you say, and, and Renee and I, over the years, I and mean, we've been together going on 17 years now, we've just gotten better at fighting. We've gotten better at, 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 gotten better at, hey, I have a problem. This is my problem. And, and her going, I understand your problem. I hear your problem, but this is, this is what I want you to understand. And then we go back and forth and then we walk away and we both, we both change a little bit. I, I change more than she does, but she does change. And, and in all honesty, she's a much better person than I am. So she doesn't need to change much more. I am so right there with you. We, we have this thing in our household. There might be a homicide, but there won't be a divorce. That's right. You know, because it's a choice. And, and I tell that to, to people who are getting married or talk to me because we've been about together about the same amount of time as you guys. We've been married 15, but we've been together about 18. Uh, and and I, I would sit back and say it is an absolute choice. You have to wake up. I love how you say have, you have to fall in love with them over and over again. But you also have to have to make that choice of going, I'm here today and I'm going to be all the way here today and I'll be here tomorrow. But today I yep. am so here. Again, dude, my wife. You know, we got in a huge fight years ago. We were I remember living in our little one-bedroom apartment, and we had just gotten married, and I go, F this. I want a divorce. I'm leaving. And she goes, before you walk out that door, she goes, notice that I have never threatened divorce to you, and I never will. And it, I mean, it, like, I mean, it hit me. And she goes, so you can walk out that door, or we can work this out. What do you want to do? And I go, I want to work it out. And we sat down and worked it out. But again, her being the voice of reason, her being even killed, me being passionate, but my passion has led us to this, right? My fire has led us to this. My effort, let's just do it attitude has led us to this with her guidance, right? So I, I, together we make an amazing team. And I, I also think that there's a lot of men out there that, that have egos and, and, they do have that machismo BS still in them of, well, my wife's opinion is less than mine. I think my wife's opinion is better than mine normally. Yeah. You know, and, and there's no machismo here, man. There is no, well, I'm the man of the house BS. You know, it's, it's, we're a team. Absolutely. You know, and I can't believe, and I don't know if you, if you hear this too, Gary, I can't believe how many couples are like, oh no, she pays her half of the bills with her money and I paid my half of the bills with my money. And I'm like, uh, we've never done that. I am stunned by that. And I have met people like that. And you're just like, then how in the world do you do anything together? How do you, how does that, how do you, how do you feel? I mean, that's, 
I, I, I always laugh at this. We, we had, there was a, there was a statistic that came out a couple of years ago that said, uh, uh, 40% of spouses don't know what the other one makes. Right. And, and I'm like, well, I can do you one better. And my partner was like, what? I'm like, I don't know what I make. My wife handles every dime. I, I have no idea what I make. Cause you know, we do freelance stuff. We do all the, I'm like, I have no idea what I make. Well, yeah, you just put it in the kitty, right? Exactly. Just keep putting it in the kitty, right? And and I mean, it goes back to it goes back to the tribal days, right? Where you know, if if she if you're the hunter and she's the collector, are you not eating berries that night? Amen. Amen. You know, are is she not eating meat? Like, are we not a team here? Are we not both bringing home to the family? Are we not both contributing to the household in in any way? And it doesn't matter if if somebody killed a deer and the other one killed a bird. We're all eating. Let's go. Yeah, I'm you always. Know, and, and, I'm always shocked by how many like you know we've had, we'll have friends who come over and stuff like that. Or I'll, I'll be I'm the cook, and I'll be cooking or you know come over and they'll see me folding clothes and they're like, my husband doesn't do anything, and I'm like, you're kidding, really. How does how does he how does he live with himself? You know, it's like hey. oh, I hear that too, where people go, "Oh, my husband doesn't do that," and I'm like, well, "How did he get that deal?" His his agent may be better than mine, but I don't know. I just couldn't live with myself. How can you sit back and watch your wife do everything, and you go, "Yeah, I'm just gonna catch this game." That's what I'm gonna do. Well, and the, and the funny part is, I'm obsessive about the floors and the windows. That's what I. That's. I have to have perfect floors and I have to have perfect windows. And then she has to have a perfect countertop and perfect bedroom. The bed has to be made. So we compliment ourselves so perfect. And hey, she knows I'm going to clean the windows and I'm going to mop the floors. I know she's going to handle the dishes. Like we, we have our thing, man. And we, we're like a machine. I'm a floor guy too. And at windows, I'm not the window guy. You know, we have to oh, have many animals. You know, we have a, we have a dog Very. that puts her face on every window we have. Gary, you ready for a life hack? All right. Spray bottle. Fill it, fill it, no, no, listen. Fill it with water. Dawn soap. Put Dawn soap in the spray bottle. Okay. You spray your windows. It takes it takes five seconds. Huh? Spray your windows with that Dawn soap. Take a squeegee and just squeegee it down. Most perfect windows you will ever have. I'm writing that down. And it, dude, it takes zero time. Dawn soap and a squeegee soap bottle. All right. I'm seriously writing that down. I don't know. Right. No, Gary, I'm telling you it's a game changer. I am. The, the cleaning ladies that come and clean have stolen my window cleaning techniques. It's amazing. I love that. They, hey. come over, they come over and they go, how do you get your windows to have zero streaks? And I go, Dawn soap, a bottle with water, and it comes out amazing. Can I can I give compliments to your wife when I was watching because I I I I do all your specials anyway and watch. But I'm like when I was watching the I Speak Wife uh, 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 special, I'm like that's a nice shirt, and I know he had no he had no say so in buying that because guys yeah. don't buy glossy, and that's a that's a, I'm sitting there going that is a shirt my wife would buy me. I would never look at that shirt if I were allowed to buy my clothes. And let's be clear, I'm not. Look, and and, and to be honest with you, I am as as I sit here 
in in a tank top and a hoodie that was given to me at the comedy store. I don't spend money on clothes. And she came to me with those shirts. We had to buy two of them. And they are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous shirts. And I was like, oh, man, these are these are nice, Renee. Thank you. And she goes, don't ask me what it costs. That is the most expensive shirt I've ever bought in my life. And now I have two of them in my closet that I probably will never wear again. <laughs> but, I mean, $140 for that dang shirt. And we bought two of them. Uh, but, but again, her coming up to me going, you have to represent yourself in a way on stage that looks good, but it still looks like you. I, I know my wife does that. I, I, uh, I don't know if you can see your camera is not on, so I can't see what you're doing, but my camera, if my camera's not on? no, it's not. I, I thought you just didn't want to have video, but this gives me no. another chance to actually go and get you to do this again. So we can do camera next time. No, my camera's on. I'm looking at myself. No, I got nothing on this side. Oh, it's, it says I'm on and I'm recording. Well, you know what? The good news is I will. I, I do this with Riverside. Hey, Riverside FM. And they will take a, the video from your com- computer and, and put it together with my computer. So maybe both oh. of us have been able to see this, and that's great. But you can see, you see the banana plant behind me? Yes. I, I, I'm going to be putting stuff up on the walls, but we just haven't got around to doing that yet because this is my studio. My wife brought in this banana plant. And she goes, that's because you just need something back there. Something. And I'm yes. like, okay. Okay. So you need to get another, another life hack. Have you heard of these monkey hooks? The monkey hooks like, like that or, or what? There are these monkey hooks that you stick in the sheetrock and you just slide them through and they will hold any painting, any pit. It's amazing. Yeah. These monkey hooks. I mean, I look, everything I do at my house, I do it myself. I hang, I hang everything. I, I mean, everything I do. See, I got, I got some guitars. I, I got like a signed Tim McGraw guitar because I've been in country music forever, and I've got, I've got jewel boxes and pictures and stuff, and and I got uh, another. I think I got a Miranda Lambert signed guitar. So I'm gonna put all this stuff up behind me. It's just until my wife okay's the design. And I know you know what that means. Until she okay's the design of what's going on behind me. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm allowed a banana plant. So, well, and you know, it's funny you bring up country music. You know, I, I resonate so much with country music because here's a bunch of guys talking about trying to be a good man, mm-hmm. trying to love America, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good father. Those are the themes in country music. You really don't find that in other music, you know, loving our country, loving being a father. Loving being uh, um, uh, a, a husband, the love they have, love songs to their wives, you know. So that's why I resonate towards country music because here's guys and, and and Gary. I grew up, man, in in South Texas, wearing cowboy boots, and and all the men that I was around, my dad included, they would make fun of the guys that were showing up. You know, if if my dad had a friend that would buy a new pickup truck every two years, my dad would give him head, and my dad would be like, "Wow." Must be nice. Where's the college fund? Are you taking care of your family? What's going on with the kid? Oh, another fancy shirt. Oh, John's got another fancy shirt. I would never spend money on that. My money goes to my kids. My money goes to my family. And and those are the kind of men I grew up around. You know, my dad would say, look, one pair of cowboy boots, that's all you need. Yeah. 
and you know, I, you know, my dad would make me wear cowboy boots, and I, I begged him for Michael Jordans. I wanted Jordans. My dad goes, "You're never going to get Jordans from me." He goes, "And let me tell you why." He goes, "Nobody's ever been shot over a pair of cowboy boots." Amen. That's a he goes. So no, you're not getting Jordans. Yeah. You know, so so I grew up very humble. I grew up around cotton farmers, and and I mean. That's what, that was our summer job, riding the combines or, or shoveling out the cotton gin when, when we had to be cleared out. I mean, when I tell you, man, I grew up, you know, country and podunk, I did. And, and I think those values have, have stayed with me. And I think that they're serving me well now in my career. I, uh, you know, I, I grew up in South Alabama in, in abject poverty. Uh, I did. And, uh, you know, our, we, we lived in a house, a rented house that had cardboard walls. You could scratch the paint off and see the Charmin box. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but it does, it, it makes you, it makes you appreciate what you have. And I think, and, and the next podcast we do, Hey, the next one we yes. do, Steve, uh, is, is I, I, cause that's my thing. I love the fact that you're in comedy. I love the fact that you're patriotic it, because I think a lot of the stuff that we have right now, I have this saying, if you have, if you don't have food, you have one problem. If you have food, now you get to have all the problems, right? Okay. And I think so many people get caught up on how bad are, are bad things. And growing up in the 60s and 70s in South Alabama, dude, there's a reason I don't live there anymore because I could not take the racism. But to see the difference in the country, to see the, the difference that I've seen with my own eyes, not anecdotally, seen with my own eyes, and to see how far we've come. Now, we've still got plenty of ways to go, but how far we've come and to not have that acknowledged drives me crazy. Yeah, we have to be proud of that. And, and we don't have a time machine. You know, we cannot go back and change the past. And and as for racism, you, you're not going to change their minds. Mm-hmm. Racism will exist until the end of time. It's just how it is. And, and, you know, my roommate being a black guy named Brandon Rogers for, gosh, 11 years of my life in L.A., uh, I remember one time he told me, he said, they called me the N-word in school. He goes, and I went to my dad and I said, dad, they called me the N-word. And my dad, and his dad told him, are you? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, are you that? And he was like, no, dad, I'm not that. He goes, then don't worry about it. And, and you know, they're going to exist. You know, people are going to be racist. And, and you know, I've always looked at, man, I'm going to outwork anybody, everybody anyway. So it doesn't matter what people think, but loving this country and trying to make it better in a positive way should not be frowned upon, should not be looked at as something that, oh, well, you know, this country's garbage or this country's past. Well, yeah, dude, my past is bad too. And name a country that has it. Look at Sweden's past. You'll be dismayed. You know, before you get all, look at Denmark's past. You'll be dismayed. I mean, China was enslaving people of thousands of years before the, the, the Americas did it, right? And, and you know, I don't think there's anybody on planet Earth right now that would say, hey, that's a great idea. It's a terrible idea. And that's the, and, the evolution of mankind. And the good news is, is the pockets of racists are getting smaller and smaller because your child will be raised just looking at people as who they are. My children are raised. My, my kids could not fathom. You don't like them because... Because of their skin color? Oh, no, it's really hard to their last name? Yeah, it's, it's really, really hard to understand. And, and my son and I were watching um, 
a cartoon where these kids were playing baseball. And I, I go, oh, I'm that kid. And, I, you know, the kid hit a home run or something. I go, oh, I'm that kid. It's a series. And I go, oh, I'm that kid. And then the next batter comes up, and it's a little black kid. And my, my son goes, I'm that kid. And I thought it really interesting. And I said, um, I go, why? Why are you that kid? He goes, because he's the best, Dad. That kid's the best. So he did not see color. All he saw was that human is the best on the team. I want to be the best, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think we've come a, a very, very long way. And, and that's why I love the veterans so much and, and the military. When you hang out with military guys and girls, they, they always tell you, we're all on the same team. You know, they, they give each other hell. They go, these are my brothers. You know, these Marines that, I'm, that are here, they're my brothers. It doesn't matter if they're black or Asian or Latino or, 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 or whatever. These are my brothers. And I think that as a country, we need to start looking at ourselves as that. We're all brothers together. We're all sisters together. And, and I'm sorry, but you standing in the middle of traffic holding up people from getting to work isn't helping anybody. Yeah. That's just, you that's know, just... I, care about, I care about veterans. I don't sit in the streets with a sign. Yeah, I go out and I raise money, and I make a difference. Yeah, so many and I go like out to do the and I, I try. You know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said so many people doing stuff like that. You know, throwing painting, throwing mashed potatoes on paintings. That's just value signaling. That's just look how awesome I am. I'm going to block traffic because I believe in this cause, right? Instead of actually going out there and helping the cause. That's right. You know, and, and that's how I've always felt, man. I, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. We've been raising money for, for my wife and I for the past seven years for Helicopters for Heroes. This year, we're very close to raising a million dollars for our veterans. And our, our, our give back is 96%. I cannot do that standing on the side of the road for eight hours a day with a sign. I'm sorry. Amen. As I said, not value signaling, actually doing something. That's, that's it. That's the doing. And, 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 and I love my neighbor and I love my neighbor's opinions. And the, the lack of, of respect for others' opinions has gone out the window and it's sad. You know, it, it, it just makes me sad because when you look up the definition of liberal, the definition of liberal means that you are open and, and happy to hear other people's opinions. And if that's the case, I don't know any liberals. <laughs> you know, I go into I go into every political discussion because I'm not afraid to have I have them. But I go into political discussion, and and here's the big secret: I don't want to win the argument. I hope you prove me wrong because if you do, that means I've learned something, right? Yep. And so I th- that's the way I enter into all of them. It's like here's what I think. I'm I'm more than happy to hear your side. Explain to me. And make me feel I'm wrong because then I have now grown as a human. I have grown in my ability to understand a concept that I wasn't understanding fully, you know, and it's not about me calling you a name. It's not about me not only convincing you, but then destroying who you are because you were so stupid to think the way you used to think. Well, and not only that, the idea that, that, the, the the idea that the answer has become, well, I don't like them. Well, uh, you're not you're not you're not giving me answers. Yeah. Well, I don't like them. Well, who's them? Have you talked to them? Have you sat down with them? Have you have you had a real discussion with them? Are you just not willing to have that discussion? Right. And and that's the sad part. And and 
it's become so polarized and and my wife and I really we really try to bring people together versus bringing them apart you know and that's why we don't talk politics on stage we don't talk politics mm-hmm. in our in our um podcast but we are very passionate about certain things and we continue to be passionate about those things and if you look at my podcast and the things that we talk about man we Renee and I are middle left and middle right we're we're pretty pretty right down the middle and sometimes the right seems more valuable to me than the left and sometimes the left i mean i go back and forth and i always say man that if somebody cannot see both sides they're scared you you know you and renee are us you're just me with a better beard (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna have to shave it off because it is halloween weekend and i'm gonna be gomez uh, with the family is that frank i'm gonna go ahead I got to do the mustache, you know? You got to do that. Trish, that's French. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, I I asked you for an hour and I've, I've so taken more time, but I have enjoyed this so stinking much and I want to do this again. It's not even a matter of would like. I want to do this again because oh, no, no, no. as we're, much as we've we're talked, doing it again. As much as we talked, I don't even feel like I've covered a, a third of what I wanted to talk to you about. Well and, and I'd love to have you and your wife on the podcast to really get into y'all's life, how y'all met, what you guys go through on a daily basis and and how your how your relationship works because that's ultimately what Renee and I want to show the world is that here are all these couples making it happen, making it work. Count us in. And I, I, I we, we've got a pretty good story on how we met and it's uh yeah. And she's just, as I tell her, she's just maybe the most interesting person I know. So, you know, hopefully it's Friday night. Well, as we record this, it's Friday night. Hopefully I'll make myself a martini and we'll sit out in the backyard because it's California. And we'll talk about we're doing our mail-in voting things and we'll talk politics, just she and I. Oh, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, me and me and Renee will sit out there. We got the we light up the fire pit in the backyard and we open up a bottle, put the kids down, and we go and sit out there and do the same thing, man. We just chat and chat. We're like we're like two best friends, you know, back there. And, and that was the tough part when we had our baby. I told Renee, she goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, I miss my drinking buddy. <laughs> I'm ready to have my drinking partner back. Well, I'll be honest. My in-laws are in town. And see, I was going to talk to you about your in-laws because just bite the legs. Anyway, um, <laughs> you got to go look up the, uh, the, the I speak wife. Just bite the legs. Uh, but the yeah, but, uh, but so, you know, and, and my in-laws are, uh, are of, are of an interesting political d- d- discussion, but I can't really let them going in there because my wife is like your wife. She's kind of middle of the road, maybe a little bit more to the left, and she doesn't agree a lot with her parents. So I have to kind of steer that away or, you know, get them distracted with something in their grandkids, and then she and I can talk. Well, you know, I always tell my my parents and my in-laws, I say, look, you you need to vote for us. We're the, one, we're the ones that, that are going to take care of you we're the ones that are going to look after you. We're the ones that are going to help you. You know, you know, you gotta, you gotta vote in our best interest. Yeah. You know, um, and, and they've understood that now because I go, look, guys, you know, we're the ones that are going to take care of you. We're the ones that are going to, going to continue to live on for a while. Hopefully, God willing, for a while longer. 
you need to vote in our best interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, tell so your father-in-law, I'm the one that's taking you to Vegas. That's right, because his money is no good. Believe me, it's no good. Well, we definitely, we need, we definitely need to continue this conversation, and and uh, we'll we'll cheat and put you on our podcast, so that me and you need to have, we need to do a follow up. I, I am in, and if I can, I I go to Oklahoma to see my in laws, and I can swing down to Texas just to see your place. I I I I, I want a cigar with Steve Trevino in your backyard. Dude, I would love it, man, and please do that. Which, by the way, talking about Lower Alabama, one of my favorite artists is Jamie Johnson. That guy is so punk rock and so, I mean, he's an amazing artist. I'll share this with you. The first time, Jamie's first release was called The Dollar. I don't know if you've ever heard that song or remember it, right? So, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, sweet little song. Well, anyway, they said, Hey, we want you to talk to Jamie Johnson. And he, and he goes, cause I knew he was from lower Alabama. And I said, Hey, get him on the air. And I'm like, where are you from? And he goes, Kinston. Now you have to understand, I grew up in Florella. Kinston is about 15 minutes away from Florella, right? Where I. No yeah. And so I'm like, dude, we're practically neighbors. And I said, uh, I said, and you know, and again, I, I, I said, so let me hear it. What is it? War Eagle roll tide. What do you do? Silence for like 15 seconds. And he goes, I can't tell you that. And I'm like, you can't wow. tell me that. He goes, no. He goes, because that makes somebody angry. And I'm, and this is before the internet, right? This is back in the nineties. And I said, Jamie, I'm in San Jose, California. Nobody cares. Nope. Nobody cares whether you're, what are you, what are you, what are you rooting for? He goes, well, I just can't talk about that. <laughs> and I promise you, I went, okay, man. Well, hey, good luck with this song. It was wonderful talking to you and, and just touched yeah. out because I'm like, I knew if you couldn't answer that question, I got nothing else. You know, because you're going to, you're going to find something, something problem. He is a brilliant man. And I did find out later he had suffered from a bad concussion and he honestly thinks it, it affected his brain. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. But I also think that at that point in his career, he probably had handlers. And, you know, now when you look at him, he's gone rogue. He has no problem telling everybody to F off. Um, I've never seen a show like his. Uh, you know, we had a great relationship, the comedy store with the House of Blues across the street. And so we were able to get into any show. Jamie Johnson's doing a show. I got to go. Zach Brown is sitting front row filming Jamie Johnson. And the show, he finishes a song, curtains close, and that was it. I had never experienced anything like it. There was no thank you, good night. There was no that's the show. Again, remember when I talked about performers and entertainers? Yep. You know, and, and Jamie, and, and don't get me wrong, fantastically talented and one of the best lines in country music for all time. It'd be, it would be in my top 15 lines in country music of any song out there. I was so proud from in color. Look at, yep. look at we're talking about his wedding. I was so proud. Uh, yeah. And I remember that, that one. Was yeah, that one's up there with She Forgot I Hung the Moon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's one, 
That's one of my favorite lines is she forgot I hung the moon. (laughs) That's what I love about this music. And then again, this is, this is the third episode of the podcast. When we get to this episode, uh, when we talk about lines in country music, because I, I love this music simply because I love the words that are involved. They are stunning compared to any other format. And I've worked top 40. I've worked rock. It's amazing. I mean, Pat Green's while I was away puts me in tears every time. Pat Green, man. You know, and, and have you heard the, um, my old friend by uh, Greg Allman? No, I will look that up today. And he wrote it right, and he, he recorded it several months before he passed away. And when you hear it, knowing that he passed away shortly after that song, it really blows your mind. And it, it's called My Old Friend, Greg Allman. And wow, is that a beautiful song. I will check that out because I deep dive on that all the time. So I'm back in my office sometimes telling my wife when I'm working, and all I'm doing is deep diving music videos. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I do the same thing. I go, I go nuts with artists, and I want to see their really, really old stuff. And yeah. you know, I start trying to find things that you know. All of a sudden, you've got Ron White with a bolo tie and and a mullet down his back, and I'm like, oh, well, I want to see this Ron White, right? So yeah, I'm the same way, dude. I'm deep diving into music and and all kinds of good stuff. But while I was away by Pat Green, if you have kids and you travel for a living, my God, it breaks your heart. And then my old friend, wow. All right. I'm going to check that out. My friend, you have rocked this. I can't wait to get this back on the schedule. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Shoot me a text after this, man. Let's get together soon. You bet. Steve Trevino, look up his website, check out his comedy. He's coming to California. He's coming to Salinas and he's always in California. So come out, come out and see him. Steve, you're the best. Tell Renee I said hello. I will, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.